Over 130 residential schools operated in Canada. The first federal residential school began around 1883. The last closed in 1996. We Stand Together invites Indian residential school and day school survivors, 60 scoop and intergenerational survivors to share their truth. This project is an opportunity for those on their journeys of healing to share their experiences and perspectives so all can learn about the effects of residential and day schools and the challenges Indigenous communities still face. First of all, I'd like to say thank you for having me here. I am intergenerational school survivor and also 60 scoop. So I am adopted. I'm not going to go into details of my adoption. My late mother was a residential school survivor and I'm intergenerational and also I have my siblings that are intergenerational survivors. Uh, growing up, I I was taught by nuns and in our reserve, in our home community. There was things that happened around myself and others, but I did not know why until years later. I was bullied. I was um, verbally abused from the nun um, that taught me. And uh, there's also others that I heard stories of the treatment that we gotten. There is two sides that I know now, just looking at it years later and talking to friends they went through. Some of them told me almost the same experience I was going through. And looking at others, how they were treated, to me it was too different. There were some verbal abuse that happened and that still stuck to me until today. In my mind, it is stuck to my head where I can't get it out as much as I wanna get it out as much as I'm being told that I am smart, but I still have that that mind where I was told that I would never make it to a higher education due to verbal. So that is really hard for, for me, even though others see me to be a smart person. Um, so there's other things that happened. There was hittings that happened to us, little things. Um, that I didn't understand. And I remembered I used to go and tell my mother um, how I was being treated from this particular nun. And I felt that she didn't like me. And for some reason, I felt like she didn't like my parent, my mother. Because I would go and say little things that happened to me. One time, I remember my mother arguing with that nun teacher, saying, "This is not back in the back in the day." You know, I remember that. I clearly remember that, and I was wondering why, and why she was saying that. And I told her like, "Why? Why she 
being mean to, to me and others and nice to others. So there was a little bit of favoritism happening. So there's other ones that were successful, more successful in life. Yeah, that's were part of the education. I just wanted to talk about it and bring it out. Um, some of the things that were that I experienced. And then years later, when this whole thing came out, uh, residential school, because myself, I didn't really know about residential school, but I remembered I watched a movie about the young girl that went to residential school. I, I forgot what that movie is called, but um, I think that's where um, I kind of learned what young people went to school and were taken from their home. So when that came out, I remembered I was sitting with my mom and my my sister saying that she wanted to write or put her name down for to get uh, the money for for the compensation of residential school. But at the same time, she didn't want to. She was a little bit hesitant. We didn't force her. She wanted to do it for us. And I asked her that one day, I said, what is this? I couldn't understand this whole thing that was coming out. She was telling me um, that's when she started opening up about residential school, um, telling me her. She didn't go into details of what happened. Well, it's an extremely painful experience, right? Yeah, so she um, made uh, things that happened. There were some happy moments that she told me about um, with her and her friends, how um, they kept themselves busy helping each other and being there for each other. And some of the stuff that she's seen that happened and, and some of the things that she witnessed. She told me a little bit about it. So all of that, that's when myself started thinking back of my own self when I was going to school. And I asked her, is this the reason why, maybe why I was mistreated? Because maybe they were thinking for me in my mind, in my head, in my mind that time when I was talking to my mom. It's like almost the same thing. I said, I asked her, do you think that she was treating me because, you know, like the residential school? I said, because it sounds so familiar with the story. And I felt at that time, I told her that I had this feeling that this person did not like, like you for some reason or like me. And now I know the history of why. And she mentioned that she did not get along with with them. So yeah, that's where all the all of this came and and then after it kinda like just opened all the things that went that she went through not by um like go into details of what had happened, but she talked about it more, I think, because it opened up uh, the wounds that happened and the trauma. 
And so ever since then, when all of that came out and because uh, I myself, I didn't learn from that in school. That we weren't taught about stuff like that in our school. Even when I came to school here in Winnipeg, I wasn't taught about residential schools and that. When that came all out about the findings, um, that that was um, so hard. Because at that time, when when I heard, it affected me and others that I know. And it's just like, for me, it opened everything, like reopened all the all the trauma, all the wounds, all the stories that I heard, and and just it was so sad, um, just seeing Indigenous people and. There were parts where I felt that and the other, like in the community, that they didn't understand how we were affected from from that. Like, you know, these were our... These were kids just... Yeah, they're, these were our kids. This was somebody's child and that. And, and it's just thought of my own mother. That's how I looked at it because she was a young child too when she was taken. And she didn't go back after uh, my mom told her that she's not going back to school, that she is going to get married. So that's how my mom stopped going to school. When all of that um, residential school stuff came out, finding the graves, graves was heartbreaking and so sad. And the realization for me personally was how many there were so many like how that really broke my heart and this some of the things that I seen and I felt from the community that they don't understand what our people went through every time I wear my orange shirt every time I'm looked I'm looked down, and some people will look at me and like, why are you wearing that? But now, the more we having that awareness, and in, in schools, you know, I, you know, it's so nice to see because like we need that awareness and that Orange Day to be acknowledged and not be forgotten. Do you feel like you've seen a change in? society's view on indigenous people and these uh, the atrocities and challenges that they went through do you think that there's in- improved awareness I've seen some improved awareness during orange shirt day I went walking and I seen a school full of children walking on sidewalk doing you know walking and and the majority was non-indigenous children uh, walking and they had signs and it was so nice I stood there and I was waving at them and um, they were waving at me and and that and and then people asking questions about it and you know which is good that they're you know asking questions 
I don't know. That's just my own that I'm seeing. But we need more. Yeah, it's not far enough yet. Yeah, it's not far enough yet for everyone to know. This is the way I look at it. I see it. It's on the news only on the day of the Orange Shirt Day. It's on the news, and that, and I would like to see more out there, like to continue, so we can still teach the the community or other like in the school systems and that and. Um, just more awareness and not just that day. Yeah, more than just one day of a year, people continuing to advocate for change because we're still seeing disparity here in Indigenous communities, whether that is access to clean drinking water is a big one. Um, Individuals fighting for their land. Exactly, and also a lot of addictions happening. Addictions, mental health what I hear from my own people, um, the youth, and and that people my age, um, they want more access to counseling, therapy, addictions, and housing, and that, and more accessibility to services, healthcare, water, and food, for example, um, especially living on the reserves, it is so expensive. And in our community, we don't even have an airport. So we have to access travel. We have to use, um, we have to go to the other community and, it, and it's expensive. You know, when it's Orange Shirt Day or National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, there's that word right there. We hear our government officials, um, people uh, leading our country and our communities using the word reconciliation. But sometimes, at least from my perspective, it feels like it's just kind of thrown out there. Just here's a word, but no one really knows what it means. Just from your perspective, when someone says reconciliation, when, you know, what does that mean to you and what does that look like? Reconciliation looks like to continue talk about residential schools, to continue to talk about residential schools and, and schools, even in workplace, having the ongoing discussions within workforce, uh, education, not just that one one day, not just that one day, yeah. but to continue. One continue. day of the year. Oh, we've solved it. Problem. Mm-hmm. Problem. Yeah, and it's there's lots more that needs to be done in reconciliation. Not just that one day of Orange Shirt Day, but to continue to teach even the young ones um, in schools and post-secondaries, universities, and also um, creating something for newcomers or people that come into our land and to teach them part of 
um, the history of indigenous people and what is residential school and truth and reconciliation and that. So when they are learning and hearing about it, or they're not shocked and asking. So having that education tool, having some kind of ongoing education, um, having, you know, um, having days where um, just continuing of informing others about truth and reconciliation. One thing I saw online um, in terms of like the 94 calls to action and just reconciliation was reconciliation isn't a destination. It's an always an ongoing effort. Like with the 94 calls to action, that isn't the, oh, they're done, we're done. No, that's once those are done, the next steps yeah, begin. And I think with the, uh, the 94 calls to action, um, if there's other workplaces, agencies, or schools, uh, universities, um, the educators, maybe if they could have that in their workplace and look at uh, 94, uh, um, nine, the 94 sorry, calls to yeah, action. The 94 calls to action and see what they can do in their part. You know, there's different things that in that 94 calls to action that they can implement on their education and see what they can do as like staff to teach each other um, and to create that awareness, the ongoing awareness and education. Umulticultural is located on Treaty 1 territory, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Oji Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the national homeland of the Red River Métis. With Umulticultural, I'm Ryan Funk.